Chapter 60 Jennifer's face bore a catatonic expression as she sat slumped in her reclining chair. She had been frozen in the chair for nearly seven hours, struggling to regain focus. Her mind was a tangle of broken thoughts and her eyes stung to a squint from lack of sleep. She had a brief period of restless slumber, the results of which left her dazed and confused. A phantom residue seemed to have remained behind following her dream. Carol was clinging to her like an annoying song stuck in her head, unwilling to let go. She could feel the other identity attempting to gain cognizance as if it had fought to orient itself in a new realm. Jennifer battled to maintain control of her thoughts. She could scarcely feel the rest of her body, not due to numbness, but due to insignificance. Her mind was all that remained with the tug-of-war that raged inside. It was late morning by the time Sean arrived at the place he once called home. The desire for his wife had grown into concern as the pieces of a twisted puzzle began to fall into place. He grabbed Jennifer's pill bottle and an envelope from the passenger seat before heading to the front porch. As he stepped toward the door, he never considered knocking. He stepped inside a dreary version of his living room where he finally became a witness to the stories he had heard. A foul odor hung in the chilled air, the kind that seems to stick to your skin. His eyes traversed the room as they surveyed the surroundings. Heavy blankets were tacked haphazardly to the window panes, blocking all but the light that seeped in through the fabric. On the floor, fine white hairs covered the hunter green carpet. A few unwashed dishes sat on the end tables, one a coffee cup with mold forming within. His eyes fixed upon the reclining chair, which was faced away from his view. Female arms were slung out over the armrests, hanging limply to each side of the chair. Sean walked slowly around the front, staring at the person resting in the cushions, a thin female body dressed in a sheer nightshirt and panties, the hip bones protruding far out beyond the stomach pouch. The arms looked frail with the elbows unusually pronounced. The face was all but covered by a thick mane of knotted red hair. As he moved around to face her, she raised her chin from the nestling of her chest. Her eyes were dark and sullen as they peered up at him. What do you want now? The woman spat defiantly. Christ, Jennifer, you look sick. Rough night, she murmured as she slowly rose to her feet and walked across the living room away from him. You know, you shouldn't just barge in here. It's not your house anymore. We don't need you here. What do you mean, we? The hard glare cast over her shoulder took a defensive posture to his question. She slid properly into a chair at the dining table. What are those? She nodded toward the pill bottles in his hand. I stopped at the pharmacy this morning and they told me that you had a prescription there. So I thought I would bring it by. Oh, that was thoughtful of you. She spoke in a monotonous voice. You can just put it on the table. She waved her hand like a princess directing a loyal subject. Sean walked forward and placed the bottle on the table, never unlocking his gaze from her. He quietly stood in front of her, searching for something to say. Jennifer tilted her head with a smirk. Is that it? I spoke to Dr. Bell this morning. He was wondering how the puppy Nicholas bought for you was working out. It was so nice of him to ask. Casper the spook is fine. Look, Jennifer, I'm worried about you. There appears to be no other way of approaching the conversation except bluntness. Dr. Bell gave me a copy of the credit card slip. Sean walked around the table and placed the slip on the table in front of her. Jennifer examined it momentarily. And? It's signed Nicholas Ferragamo. So? She looked up, blinking her eyes in dramatic fashion. Jennifer, that's your handwriting, and the credit card number matches ours. She threw her head back in a riotous laughter. You are pathetic. You just can't handle the thought of another man's interest in me. Sean pulled a folded paper from an envelope and spread it out in front of her. Do you know what this is? This is our credit card statement. Look at the purchases, Jennifer. Read the entries. Bell's Pet Shop. A Touch of Class Florist. 
Sean read down through the list. Miosi's Jewelers, Desiderio's Restaurant. She stared down at the statement and then slowly lifted her head in a defiant stare. Wow, you've been spending a fortune. Her voice was smooth and her face a totem of expression. Buying stuff for your precious friend Wendy, I'll bet. Sean ignored her comment. There is no Nicholas Ferragamo. You're buying this stuff for yourself. You think you have it all figured out, don't you? You have no idea, no idea how close I am. Close to what? Being institutionalized? Get the fuck out of my house. Her words whisked through clenched teeth. Last, please, I'm worried about you. You need help. You're playing in something you have no clue about. She rose to her feet. I am this close. She shoved her hand in his face with her index finger and thumb sampling the distance. To succeeding where you failed me. And now you want to step in here and fuck it all up? Sean stepped back from her approach. Look, you can either go willingly now or no, I think you're going to go willingly now out of my house. And the next time you decide to come barging in here, she paused with a deep cleansing breath and a smile. Kindly wipe your feet. I adhere to strict cleaning standards. Sean retreated to the door in exasperation. He decided that the battle between the two of them was futile. He had no experience with mental illness, but he knew someone who had. He turned to look at her once more. I'll be coming back, but I won't be alone. Bring them. Bring all your little friends. We'll have a party. Sean released a deep sigh and his eyes filled with tears until they spilled over onto his cheeks. I love you, lass. Jennifer fell silent. Deep within the twisted remains of her consciousness, the sight of Sean's tears turned back memories. She'd only seen him cry on two other occasions, once for the loss of his grandfather and once for the loss of Arlen. The old Jennifer longed to reach out for him, but she couldn't gain control of her arm. Instead, she stood solemnly as he closed the door behind him. She turned her attention to the pill bottle that rested on the table. She would have to risk the dream-dampening effects of the trazodone to get back into the dream world. She had to find Nicholas. She had questions that would behoove him to answer. And this time, he had better produce Arlen to appease her. Sean stepped down from the porch and withdrew his cell phone. He dialed his father-in-law's number as he walked back to his truck. After five rings and a moment of hopeless desperation, Donald's voice sounded on the other end. I'm sorry I can't come to the phone right now. Please leave a message after the tone. Sean left a message requesting a return call to his cell phone and then ended the call. He sat in his truck for a few brief moments. His hands shook uncontrollably and tears blurred the vision of his home. He pressed back into his seat and wiped his eyes. He had to remain calm. There was no time to lose himself in emotions, but his nerves refused to cooperate. He desperately wanted a drink, something to take the edge off. He decided to make a stop at McKinney's Pub while he waited to hear from Donald.